Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's good, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to another episode of Cowboys Fourth and Long, which boy, Skywalker Steel, and of course, with former Dallas Cowboy, my big homie, Jesse. No I. Hi. Yeah. What's good, yeah, man? What's good, man? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I'll be noticing people on Twitter. They be trying to put the I. It's hilarious because they'll they'll write a long tweet. Hey, Jesse, what do you think about the Cowboys doing this with the receiver? And what if they put him in motion? And he'd be like, it's Jesse without an eye. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just put no eye. No, no, no eye. eye. <laughs> Leave it just like that. I'm not even responding. Nothing you got to say until you get that part right. And then it was this one tweet where Deuce and all this nonsense. You was like, okay. I was like, bro, I can hear and see. <laughs> it's okay. I know that. Okay. I've been giving that okay on air. <laughs> A number of times. Okay. All right. You know okay. what? You're right. Let's go ahead and move on to the second half. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. For real, people people kill me on Twitter. I I, I enjoy watching your Twitter, man, because people don't they don't understand, but it's, it's funny, man. But Cowboys Nation, look, Cowboys got a big game this weekend against the Eagles. But before we get into that uh, matchup, which we ain't going to break it down all the way because you could join us on Saturday, Christmas Eve, where we'll be breaking everything down in the pregame show. But before we get to that, some house cleaning here, man. Cowboys got seven players to go to the Pro Bowl this season. A little shock, not going to lie, a little surprised uh, that they got that many players. But were there any surprises for you, Jesse? Um, the biggest one for me was, and uh, which I was super, super happy about, was Kevontae Turpin. Yeah, same here. Um, I mean, think about this guy's journey in the last 12 months, you know, not really having football, USFL, MVP to USFL, you know, gets a call from the Cowboys. And even though they sign him to, you know, to a deal at times, you know, those deals can be sketchy. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. see a deal, it might be like two years, but it, it'd be very minimal cost when the team decides like, oh, you know what? This didn't work out and cut you, you know, um, and then for him to go and have the preseason that he had, which was electric, you know, I, I, I was even in preseason like, all right, let's pump the brakes. Y'all calling them, y'all was calling them mini Devin Hester. I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But, you know, he came into the season. And while he has not had the the touchdowns um, that you saw in the preseason, which are very hard to get, like people don't yeah. understand just how difficult it is to get a punt or a kick return touchdown. He he averages, when you when you can average, especially more than on punt return, more than eight, nine yards per return. Like that hidden yardage is so critical. Yeah. And if you go back, there's games earlier in the year where he had significant returns that, because when you, when you, when you're a special teams player, you're a returner and you can get more than 10 yards. What you've now done is you now set the offense up to have one less first down that they have to get. And that hidden yardage is so key and so crucial when you're trying to put points on the board and, and he was top five in both kickoff and um, uh, punt return. And, yep. and, and we don't even see really anymore in the league. You know, you may see one guy do punt, one guy do kick, 
but very rarely do we see one guy nowadays do both and do both at a very high level. So that that was my that was the biggest surprise, but it was the it was the happiest I was out of all of the seven. Yeah, he, yeah, it's the same thing for me. Uh, I'm happy for Kevontae Turpin. Surprised though, because normally a guy that goes to the to the Pro Bowl from a return standpoint scores a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. so that you know, to, to see that happen was a surprise. But then when you dive deep into the numbers, like you said, top five in both kick and punt, only player in the NFL to have fifty plus yard return as a, a you know in the kickoff department and the punt return department. So it's it's well deserved. And I'd I'd imagine I haven't really looked around and researched. It doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of punt return and kick return touchdowns this year. It seemed down. I think maybe like maybe one or two. That's crazy. That that has to be a. I feel like a season low for the NFL. Well, I mean, once they the the thing was when they moved the kickoffs up ten yards, it yeah. was to alleviate the returns so that because it's it's kamikaze when you got to go down and trust me as a guy who was a core special teams guy when you when I, I get to take off running and and back when I was playing. You you got a chance to take a head start, like so I can back up. Right. Like if the ball kicked at one at the was it thirty or the forty, whatever it was, I would back up ten yards and start running as the kicker gets ready to approach. So I'm already by the time I cross ten more yards, I'm in fifth gear, sixth gear. Yeah. And now I'm running full speed ahead down the football field. I'm weaving in and out of blocks to only now get down to the wedge and have to either slice it or. Yep. Go head up with it. And Oof. so they, they wanted to get rid of that because there's a lot of it was a lot a lot of kamikaze missions running down there. So everything now is a lot of time with these kickers who are, you know, kicking from 50 plus yards on field goals, kicking it out the back of the end zone. So you don't see the opportunities that you want did in the, you know, in the Devin Hester years where those returns were much more, much more doable. I picked this up last week, sidebar, but it's kind of it relates to this. Did you see what the Raiders were doing? that the NFL shut down? No, what were they doing? So they, they would have a holder hold the ball on the tee, and the Raiders were kicking the ball high to about the five-yard line or inside the five, but giving it hang time so mm. that their, their return people can get down for the tackle inside the 20-yard line. And I guess the league looked at that and said, no, that's an unfair advantage. So they just they iced it right away. I thought it was interesting. That's smart. That's actually yeah. – that's a loophole that someone yeah. – on team side found and it was working to their advantage and the NFL was like nah because they let you they let you hold the ball if it keeps falling off the tee right like if it's windy conditions and it keeps falling off then eventually you have to get a holder so that's interesting that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that the NFL was able to shut that down but they'll still allow it if inclement mother keeps knocking the ball off the tee that's an interesting if I was especially because I would try to fight that it's a Bill Belichick situation, right? Like he finds yeah. all those tiny little loopholes to, to, and people get upset. And it usually takes them like a year to to, to shut it right. down. I guess the NFL was like, nah, we nah. don't, nah, it's over, it's a wrap. <laughs> but look, we're gonna need all seven, all seven of these Pro Bowlers to play at a high level this Saturday against the Eagles in a matchup that may not be as hyped, right? It'll be hype on game day, but I think the hype has taken a hit, Jesse, because it's not Jalen Hurts. It's Minshew Mania that will yeah. be coming to Dallas for this game. And, and, and why? while I do think that obviously some things will change with him in, in there, I, I think the Cowboys still have to respect this team because they are extremely talented around Gardner Minshew, who 
I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. His record's not the greatest, but 41 touchdowns, I think he got like 15 interceptions. That's, that's pretty damn good for a career backup type of guy. So I think the Cowboys got to take this one seriously, as they will. They'll take it seriously. But I think they got to come out here and put everything on the line as if they're trying to play for this division. But what's your general thoughts, though, heading into this matchup? You know, it, it the, the the loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Cowboys took a little bit of luster off of the matchup. And then not having Jalen Hurts in this matchup kind of took a little bit off. But the, 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 the energy is still going to be there. The hate is still going to be there. Yeah. I, I just think when I look at this game, and I've said this for maybe the last month, there's two places you want to see, or not two places, there's two things you kind of want to see your football team uh, doing in December. The first one is peaking, right? You want to see your football team playing some of its best football, rounding out, kind of, you know, getting to that point. You're like, man, they rolling, you know? And the second thing is you want to see your football team have or be off of the injury list. And when you look at this Cowboys team, that's one of the things that they've been suffering with. And the Philadelphia Eagles, and to their credit, their front office has built a team that in this season, and I don't know what the future is going to hold for this team because rosters change, injuries happen, things happen every single year. The Philadelphia Eagles have, have built a roster that currently constructed doesn't have many holes. Yes. They're number, they have the number one offensive line in the league. They have, you know, their quarterback when he was playing was in consideration or in conversation as being the MVP of the league. You have an elite number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. You have, you have I kind of call it like a 1B because Devontae Smith in some organizations could, could, could be a number one or number one-ish. Um, so you got a good number two in Devontae Smith and a guy in Quez Watkins will take the top top off. And most times of the year, if you're if you're you know, you want to be able to get guys back. The Cowboys got Tyron Smith back. Yeah. Well, Philadelphia's getting Dallas Goddard back. And that's another um weapon that they have. They have a good running game with um Miles, like everything. Then you go to the defensive front, 40-something of their 60-something sacks that they have, or 50-something sacks that they have come from their front four. You know what I'm saying? Like, then you know, you ask Hassan Riddick. And, I mean, so it's like they – there are times where you can look up and you go, all right, you know, mouse in a house over here, mouse in a house over there. But when you look yeah. up, you be like, wait yeah. a second. Sweat, Hargrave, Graham, Cox, Jordan, Hassan Riddick. You're like, damn. Where, where, what do we, what, at what point in time do we get to take a breath? Kevin Hart. You know Kevin Hart. Damn. Yeah, Damn. When, at what point in time do we get a chance to take a breath? But they, they, they don't give up anything up front, and then they're solid on the back end. So when, when I look at this thing overall, they're doing a lot of the things that I would consider they're, they're playing their best football. Now, now, granted, they got their quarterback is injured. I don't know how serious that injury is going to be. They could just be doing this for precautionary, precautionary reasons, whatever. Um, they're not injured. And the, the Cowboys are trying – are still – to me, which is weird, are still trying to figure out. And I, I, let me ask you this question. Could you definitively tell me what is the Cowboys' identity? That has been, that has been my question all year on my show in the morning. I, I always pose it to, this, to, the, to the viewers. Who are you? Or who right. are they is what I pose to them. But when I'm talking to the Cowboys, who are you? 
because we talked about this a lot during the games that we pre pregame show or postgame show. Why is it one game? You look like this in regards to your game plan and, and even defense too, right? Defense may be lights out against Minnesota or offense may be lights out against Green Bay or Minnesota or not Green Bay, but against Chicago or Minnesota. And then, then another day, another game, you look one way in the first half, another way in the second half. And I'm talking about the actual planning of the game, not just the, the, the execution, but it looks like Dallas is doing two different things, you know, throughout the game. So I, I don't think, I think they have an identity of how to win. I don't think they necessarily stick to maximizing that identity week in, week out, right? I always ask this question. When you look at San Fran, you know what they're going to do every week, right? And they may throw wrinkles, but you know, hey, this is what they do. Philly, this is what we do. Baltimore, this is what we do. Hell, even Tampa, not a great team, but this is what, what they do. And I've said this to you plenty of times. I'd rather lose knowing who we are than lose and be like, man, I don't know which team we get in the day. Right. So I, I don't think the I think the Cowboys have an identity of how to win. I don't necessarily think they follow that that blueprint every week. I think they try to outsmart themselves. If you if you tell me that the Cowboys from Minnesota is going to show up Saturday afternoon, then I'm like, let's ride. I'm I'm Russell Wilson. <laughs> let's ride. Bad. You know what I'm saying? But and and maybe it's just me. I'll speak for just me. I have no clue what Cowboy team is going to show up on Saturday. I don't. I, I I can hope and wish and predict and, and break down and think. Move. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I and, don't and, know what Cowboys team is going to show up. And that's why I think this game and it needed to be Jacksonville, honestly, because they needed. To, I don't want to say a warm up game, but just that's a talented team. So it'd have been nice for them to have a good, clean game against a talented team. But that's why this game is so important to Dallas and probably more important to the Cowboys in Philly because they need to show that they can go out here and beat a really good team. And be clean. I'm not saying it got to be perfect, Jesse, right? Like, that's never going to happen. There's going to be ebbs and flows in games. But what you don't want is the peaks and valleys to be so high and low. So I need them to come out here and play well and gain some momentum because it's not going to get easier. I get it. Tennessee's not the greatest team. But you're going on the road. It's going to be cold. It's a good defense. Running game. So you got to be ready to play. Washington's going to be fighting for their lives. You got to be ready to play. So this needs to be the week where you start peaking. So this game is huge to them. No, I agree. I mean, the game itself, yes, it's it's huge, and I think it has more implications than just beating Philadelphia. Yeah. To your point, it it has the implications of can we find our rhythm, can we find ourselves, our footing about who we're going to be, and can we build off that the next two weeks? Because the last thing you want to be doing, and um, one of the things that I've, I've fallen in love with when it comes to J. Ron Curses is honestly, my head right now. Um. And when J. Ron Curse is the kind of player when he's a soft-spoken person, doesn't say much, but when he speaks, he speaks with authority, he, he speaks with sincerity, and he speaks with purpose, and he speaks with this is going to somebody. Like this is for some. I'm not, I'm not just talking to talk. And we've all, being a part of this football organization, we, we know that there's guys who talk just because you have words that you can put together in a sentence. Right. When Ron talks, it feels different. It feels like he's he's talking, he's talking with a sense of again authority, and he's like, "This is for someone." Um. And so the implications of this is we need to be able to find the footing and find out who we really are before we take this next step 
Because as you and I both know, preseason, regular season, playoffs. It's a whole different animal. It's an entirely different animal. And even the thing that you thought were good in the regular season even have to be sharper or or more effective or more um, 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 just narrowed in in the focus in the playoffs because teams are like, I'm pouring all my resources in to this week. So every resource that we have, I don't got guys going out doing different things. We can worry about, no, 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 no. We got to win this week. And then we'll worry about whatever comes with us next week. And that's when teams begin to expose you. I, I just kind of made, I, I said a tweet the other day and I said, you know, players, um, players are, 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 what did I say? I said players are built in a regular season. Um, I think you said some like greatness is made or something like that. Yeah, players are built in a regular season, but players are made like the you are made. Look at all the greatness you are. It, it comes from playoffs. Yeah. So the Cowboys have to figure out who they are so that when they get into the playoffs, they're not going into these games questioning and trying to figure out what are we going to do, who we are, what approach are we going to take. That that needs to be solidified starting Saturday, but in the next, in addition to Saturday, the next three weeks. Last thing on J-Ron, Joy Epstein asked him a question in the locker room. He said, you know, you're a leader in this locker room. You're a leader on this team. You know, we're, we're, you know you're going to talk to the players. You're going to talk to the squad. J-Ron looked at her and said, ma'am, we're done with talking. We talked in preseason. We yep. talked after games this year. We talked after the San Fran game. He said, we shouldn't have to talk no more. We got to be about that action, boss. I said, God, yep. see, this is why I like J-Ron Curse. I'm with him. There's nothing to talk about, man. Love him. And he's right. He's right. Like he's like. What else do we need to talk about? Like, like how many how many closed door meetings can we have? How many come to Jesus meetings do we have? How many you know uh, we gonna get refocused after? Like, yeah. there's only so many of those that you can have before you start saying to yourself, "No, nah, this is exactly who we are." And like, I even I even liked in his in his quote he was talking about. He was saying about you know um, about guys really being committed. And like to me, that that's not that's not J. Ron Curse just throwing things in the air. This this ain't this ain't just snowflakes. Right. That's J. Ron Curse looking around and saying, "Hold on, hold on, hold lock hold in." On. Like some of y'all leaving out of here too fast. Some some of y'all ain't some of y'all talking about y'all banged up, but ain't going to treatment. Some of y'all talking about like y'all really want to really want this thing to be a Super Bowl champion, but when we when we talk about extra film. Y'all got every other thing in the world to do besides watch film. Some of y'all talking about, you know, you want to be great and all this other stuff, but on the practice field, you lollygagging and ain't locked in. Like when J. Ron said that, I said, I said, that's not J. Ron just just putting stuff in the atmosphere. That's J. Ron putting something in in the in the atmosphere that is um that is happening. And there are guys who whoever whoever these guys are, they're guys, and I think he's talking more so on the defensive side of the ball. There are guys who are not living up to the billing simply by the things and the way they go about their business day in and day out. And and when you're a guy like J. Ron Curse, who has been a journeyman, has found his place here, um, you know, when when you're hurt, when you're hurt, when you're hurt, I, I can tell you, when you're hurt and you're putting you're pulling yourself together every single day and you putting your body on the line every single day, and you're like, wait a second, dog, hold on, hold on, yeah. like I'm. Um. Uh, yeah, I I can, like it would be if I decided to say my knee is really jacked up. 
I'm probably going to have to have surgery. I could shut it down. But I'm, I'm committed so much to you and so much to these other men and so much to this cause that I'm doing, I'm, I'm up here getting treatment. I'm up here doing everything that I got to do away from my family, spending time here studying my film for us to get on the field and, and, and you dogging it or you ain't doing your assignment or you blowing coverages or you blowing uh, 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 containment or whatever it may be for whoever it may be. To certain guys, that's unacceptable. And it sounds like that's, to me, where J. Ron Curse is coming from in some of this, like, hold on, dog. Let's, like, well, who you, really serious about this? You heard what, not say you heard, but you saw that video of Dak. I thought it was it was interesting because as you're talking, I'm thinking about that. When the kids came in and he said, you know, look around. Yeah. It's, it, it, everybody left two hours ago. Yep. I'm here, you know. And I was just thinking about that, and that, but we all know that's Dak, like like that, and that's what he's going to be. And it feels like J. Ron's the same guy because J. Ron's been playing banged up all year. He's been giving it his all all year, and I think he just wanted everybody else to be do the same damn thing. So, that's all you can ask. Yes, yeah. for guys like yo, and like doing your job just doesn't mean showing up on football field and doing an assignment. Like there's so much yo study, be here on time, be locked in, practice hard, get the treatment, get eat right, get out the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff is a part of doing your job because we need you. Like yeah. it doesn't, it, especially defensively. And I'm saying defensively because we're talking about J. Ron Curse. Right. You know, but like defensively, you can have 10 guys do the absolute right thing and one guy not, and the and the offense go hit their head on the goalpost for a touchdown. Fact. So like offensively, you can get away with that sometimes. Like offensively, a lineman can blow a block. Or, or miss a block and a quarterback can kind of move out the way or he roll out or whatever, you know, a receiver can run the wrong route and not, you know, the quarterback just so happened not to look that way. And there's 10 guys doing the right thing. You know, you can get away with that stuff. Defensively, if you're supposed to come down to fill that gap and you're the last line of defense and you don't do that, could be oh, yeah, it's 88. you know what I'm saying? If you're supposed to be covering a certain area and you're not there out the gate in 88. Like, so like defensively, it's always it's always so much more important to be on a string and to be and to be locked in because when you don't when you don't have that consistency in guys being where they're supposed to be all the time and 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 in this league with these the, the level of intelligence of these quarterbacks they'll they'll seek you out they'll seek you out and make your day real real real, real interesting mouse in the house we, we saw yeah. it happen on Saturday against the Jags they they figured it out how to how to move down the field. And they just kept going to it, tack the mm-hmm. edges, you know, end the rounds, and they had to figure it out, man. So Dallas got some things to figure out on that side of the ball. But um, let's get to a couple questions in the show here. Um, yeah. Speaking of Dak Prescott here, more concerning, Dak's interceptions or the wide receiver room? Dak Prescott leads the league in interceptions since his return. However, probably about half of those interceptions are coming off of weird things happening with the wide receivers, according to PFF, if you're in the PFF, uh, he leads the league with six interceptions that are deemed not turnover-worthy plays, meaning uh, they're they're putting the blame on other parties. So more concerning, the, the interceptions from Dak Prescott or the wide receiver room, whether you want to call it chemistry, talent, whatever that you want to call it, but just those two things, more concerning. I, I, I recently was having this this conversation with myself. And I was talking about greatness 
and greatness being from the quarterback position. And I just start thinking about quarterbacks, like the great ones. And the great ones, there, there's two things that the great ones, however you want to deem the great one, the John Elways of the world, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, like the great quarterbacks, you know who they are. Joe Montana's, Troy Aikman's. And there's a couple things that are that are that are interesting in that in my thought process. That I thought was, and this I'm going to get to the answer to this question. Is the great ones always had an elite wide receiver? Always. If you name a great quarterback, I'm going to give you the elite wide receiver that was with them. You say Joe Montana, Steve Young. You know who I'm going to say. Jerry. Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, right? You say Tom Brady, I'm going to say Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski, right? You say John Elway, I'm going to say Shannon Sharp and pick one of the ones that he had with him. McCaffrey, Jimmy Smith. uh, uh, Not Jimmy Smith, it was another one. uh, I'm thinking of drawing a blank for him, but, you know, know, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan. I mean, there's a culmination to it. Peyton Marvin, yeah. Marvin, like there's always one. The next thing is um, health. Most of those guys, not saying that they avoid, they avoided injury, but for the most part, those were healthy dudes, and and they played a long time. And then you know, at the end of it, it was playoff success. I about to say that's really where the greatness is at, right? Right, it, yeah. it's, it's the playoff success. And then I look at Dak, and I and I look at a couple things. Like this is the second time, and I, and I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, CD Lamb is, is I think CD Lamb is coming into his own. Yeah, he sure is. But this is the second time in that career where we've gone into a season with the hope that all these other guys would come about. Like this is the second time with this. The first time it happened, you had to go trade for Amari Cooper. And it kind of settled this thing out. Then you came into this year again and, and, and you were like, well, yeah, Dennis Houston and, and Washington and Tolbert and, and, and Noah Brown. And I'm like, ain't no way in hell. No. Ain't no way in hell. I said this and I'm not buying that. I'm who I'm like. And, and, and at that time, I'm like, CD Lamb hadn't come into his. Right. There was there was legitimate question marks. I mean, I think a lot of us believed in CD Lamb's talent, but we had to see him be number one. And, and, and I, ha- I have no problem saying CD Lamb is that guy because he's proven it now. Right. We got 16 games. He's proving to be that guy. But everyone else. It's it's still question marks in that room, man. And, and whether it be Gallup not healthy or Noah, who is a career wide receiver five that we rely on to be a wide receiver two. That's crazy. Exactly. And so what we're having now is in this current construction of a system, we're looking for a guy like Noah Brown. Nothing against Noah Brown. I really, really, really nothing against Noah. I'm, I'm not hating on him. But Noah at his ceiling, like at his very best is a number four slash three-ish. And you're asking him in moments and times of games to do things that you need your number one to be doing. So sometimes I don't even blame him for some of the stuff that happened because I'm like, he shouldn't even be put in that situation. Right. Now you're a pro, you got to be a pro. But I think a lot of it comes down to for Dak is the, and and now when you listen to his interviews, he, 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 he started this thing with, no, I'm going to continue to be aggressive. I'm going to continue to be aggressive. I'm going to continue to be aggressive. Now, what he can't do anymore is he can't back off that, at least not verbally. And you know what's crazy is the, the aggressive stuff was early in, in, in his return. These interceptions of late are not aggressive. It, it, it's, it's just he's getting hit, number one. 
or right. guys are just dropping the ball or, you know, things are getting tipped at the line of scrimmage or something like that. So, you know, I think they're asking the wrong questions now because they did one of the things we've been asking them to do. Stop running that damn route with C.D. Lamb across the middle of the field where he got to read the safety and flash behind him or, or in front of him or behind him. So the interceptions aren't happening there anymore. But what but what what the system that the one thing that they are not doing for Dak Prescott is they're not calling plays that are consistently surrounded by success Brother. from the guy that you're asking to run these plays. Let's just be frank here. The, the, the passing game concept is not great. It isn't. You know, it, it's 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 really frustrating to watch. I don't got to tell you. You know this more than I know this. You, you can watch this and see it's very elementary. Like, and you go look around the league and you see these other teams that are getting – now, they do find a way to get C.D. Lamb involved, but why stop? Well, and again, <laughs> how inconsistent is that, right? right? Like, exactly. That is the thing. And so, as a quarterback – how am I to come into a game and be like, bet we going, we moving because you'll get, a, you'll get a call and you'll be like, okay. Ooh, this is, so this is perfect. So, so answer the question real quick, because then I'm going to follow it up with this next question. The wide receiver room. The wide receiver room. Okay. So the other question I had here, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Is it the OC or the quarterback that seems to be skittish in the critical moments of the game slash end of the games? And this is what I mean. I don't know if I said this on the postgame show, but I've noticed two extremely disturbing trends over the last two weeks. In the Houston Texans game, I think it was in the third quarter, maybe it was at the start of the fourth, I don't know. The Houston Texans game, it was in the fourth quarter. The Cowboys get a bad kick return with a penalty to get backed up to like their five, right? And Josh Ball is at right tackle, first play. Josh Ball gets put in Dak's lap, but he gets it out to C.D. Lamb for like 15, and boom, they're out at about the 15-yard line. The next play... They run it, get nothing. The next play, he drops back for a pass. Josh Ball gets beat, sack, fumble. They're back to the two. All right, two out of three plays. Your offensive line has just got crushed and almost cost you de- desperately, right? And then the very next play, what do they do, Jesse? Drop back, pass. Josh Ball gets beat. Dak's arm gets hit, interception. In my head, I'm like, okay, let's learn from that mistake. Let's go to next week. You're up 27 to 17. You're backed up after a bad return inside the 15. First play of the game. No motion, no creative play, no let's calm the troops. Did I look to you and say, hey, let's calm the troops. First play, standard drop back, sack. All right, Jesse. Second and 18, either, look, we're just going to have to punt this thing because this ain't working. Maybe you get a run. Maybe you get a pressure relief valve screen, something, right? Nothing. What do they do? Drop back, standard pass, pressure, arm gets hit, ball sails, interception. We got a ball game now, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, I look at that because a lot of people are saying, you know, Dak, Dak, Dak. I'm like, yeah, he's the one that has to throw the ball. But your offensive coordinators continues to put your offense in these positions. And, yes, that's not the end of the game, but that is a critical moment. So let's go to the end of the game. Third and 10, deep ball to, to, to Noah Brown. And then you get into overtime. And the first two plays of your, you know, overtime where you get the third and three are terrible play calls. And then the third one, you run a pick play for Noah Brown. To me, that screams your OC can be so great in his bag because we caught it, right? Like, oh, he's in his bag in the first two and a half quarters. And then when you get into these critical moments, he has a brain fart. Or as we say, 
he glitches. He glitches. So a lot of people will say, well, that's your quarterback, right? He's got to be, he's got to man up in these moments. Well, he did that last week against the Houston Texans. There wasn't nothing special about those plays. Dak was just threatening the needles. That's all that was. But mm-hmm. but then, you know, last week, Dak threw the ball, got it to Noah Brown, didn't work. But nonetheless, man, is it the OC or is it the quarterback? I'm probably trying to convince you here it's the OC, but to me, I feel like it's the OC. I say seventy thirty. Yeah, there well, is. Yeah, well, obviously, there's there's definitely right some some blame like there, to the queue. Like there is at the end of the day, like there is some blame for Dak. Um, he doesn't go he doesn't go unblemished in in these things, but a lot of it he's put in tough situations because of the play calls that his offensive coordinator calls. Like he, I, like I, there is no rhyme or reason a lot of times of why Kellen Moore calls plays. Like, like I would love to sit down with Kellen Moore and say, all right, show me what you were setting up. <laughs> like, sh- like, like, let's run through these plays. Like, don't just give me your first 15. Cause I can put, I can put, I, you and everyone listening can put 15 plays in order on a sheet and run them. Yep. Like it's not hard, but show me what are you trying to see in these first, cause this is what the first 15 is for. Okay. Let's let's have a let's have a X and O moment. Your first fifteen is supposed to be. Here's what I've gathered from my information from film. In these first fifteen plays, we are going to look at situations and scenarios that we run on offense compared to the things that we've seen them do on defense. Meaning, on first and ten, said team likes to do a bear defense or on first and 10 set team likes to do an odd front an even front said team likes to do this coverage that coverage right so first and 10 in my first 15 plays and by the way it doesn't go hey <laughs> for kellen moore it sometimes feel like he goes all right play one play two play three play four play five like just run him down in a row it's looking at the first 15 plays and saying okay first and 10 the tendencies of this team's defense defense is to do this. Right. Here's where we feel the plays in this on our offense that would best um, defeat what they normally do on first and ten, second and blah, or third and blah, whatever that number is. Out of these first fifteen plays, here's what we've seen on film from these first fifteen. Now I want to try it against what we saw. And from there, it should be, okay, in this family, this play, right? Let's just say play eight on the sheet. I'm just using the number. The play eight on the sheet that we saw that we liked for third and blank against this defense, that play now comes back to a pool of plays that we can run throughout the course of a game when that team gets in these particular looks on third and seven plus. Okay? For Kellen, it just seems like he's just randomly picking yes. things out of the basket. And there's no, there, there's nothing that says, okay, we did this and it worked or didn't work. But when we saw it, what 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 happened? Okay, now, oh, okay, cool. That that front side dude coming off the play off off hot bet. In that family of the plays that I had in my first 15, here's our plays that are going to be effective against when they do that. Yeah. And this is how you set the plays up throughout the course of the game. Dribbling with the purpose. 
so that by the end of the game, you're looking up and you're saying, I now have a feel, because it's, it's all feel, it's all it's all chess, it's all um, um, statistics, it's numbers, right? I want it, because if you can be 40, 50, 60% successful on a play, that's a damn good play. Yeah. That's a winning play. It's like if you're batting, if you're batting 300, like think about like when you're batting 300, they'll say you're a damn good hitter. But I mean, you ain't hitting the ball every time you go up. No. But every, you know, every you hitting it every three times you go up, you hit it one time. So if I'm forty percent, fifty percent, sixty percent, that means in these in these plays that I'm 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 pretty successful. That if I run it four times, I'm getting positive yardage, a, a significant positive yardage, two out of the four times. Three, you know, three out of the four times, three out of the six, whatever that number is. So this is what you kind of want to get into, so that when you get into the fourth quarter, because Contrary to what some people believe, like your game plan, is, there's no game plan that's going to be like, all right, this is the 40-burger game plan. <laughs> right. This is the game plan. We're going to be up 17. What you look for in the fourth quarter is, hey, we either want to be in the lead, you know, we want to be in the lead, but if it's a tight game, I know that 60% of the time when we run this play and that look, it's been successful. Well, numbers say that we should run it again because that's where it works. And that that that's what was so maddening about the Jags game. And when I went back and watched the, the the tape, and I'm like, man, look at all these things that are successful. And I mean, every damn time it felt like, bro. For instance, there was you know when they motion Noah Brown in. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be three by one and motion him in, or it'll be a two by two. It don't matter what it is. They'll, they'll motion him in and they'll run it. That was successful almost every time, Jesse. This is no joke. They got mm-hmm. at the bare minimum three to five yards every single time, and sometimes plus, you know, five plus. And that's all they really need at the end of the game. So when I hear people say, yeah, but 34 points, right? Yeah, but yards. I'm like, y'all y'all missing it, man. Because here's the thing about, and I don't got to tell you this. The game comes down to just these small critical moments in these games. And if you really pick out throughout these losses, Green Bay, or in the Texans wasn't a loss, but the Texans, the Jags. Yeah, you got 34, 28. 27 but go look at those critical moments and look what your court look at the plays yep it they didn't make any sense I, I i don't i don't if you go watch the the three critical moments in that game i already explained one of them backed up up 27 17 that moment the end of regulation those three plays where and then they ran a bomb all they had to do was run the plays that were working in the first three quarters and they didn't and then to end the game in overtime they try to get cute and outsmart themselves and that's the maddening part about it. We, we, you know, it feels like a play uh, selector and not necessarily a play caller or game manager. People we like to say game manager, manager about the quarterback. Your coaches have to be quality game managers, and I just can't trust him. No, and 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 you ask any coach, any coordinator, offensively or defensively, they'll tell you when you go back and you watch a game, the game boils down. And there's 70 plays, 65 plays. They'll tell you, there's about three or four plays that won this game for us. Or there's about three or four plays that lost this game for us. You're like, wait, but you had 70. Yeah, I know. But it was three or four that really was the, it was the determining factor of why we won or lost this football game. Yeah. And that is, and, and this is the, this is the, this is the essence of football. It's, can I win those downs when it, when it matters? And, and, and that's the thing for, for Kellen is that 
unless he's like blowing teams out, it seems unless Kellen's blowing teams out or Dak Prescott gets in the two minute kind of red ball situation and, and he's he doing does his thing. Yeah. It's like Kellen Moore, you 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 can't reach for something that you know is gonna win because you 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 don't have it figured out. Like there's certain plays that you'd be like, oh yeah, they're running that, and you know it's gonna win because that's you know what I'm saying? No, I know, of, I know what you're saying, bro. Kellen doesn't have that. He's like, oh, uh, 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 third and ten, three verts. No, wait, wait, what? Wait, three? No, 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 no. Don't run three verts. And, and and teams and like the three vert thing is, is funny because C D and the seam, like what? And they, they were like CD take seam. him out. Run right to me, C D. <laughs> like, where do you want to go? Like, no, no, no. The guy's gonna play underneath, and the safety's like, hey, C D, come on. I'll I'll wait right here for you. Yep. I'll I'll be right here. Ran right at him. Back, or even on Noah Brown, was 10 yards off. Yes. Like you could put a Usain Bolt out there. He ain't running by a dude ten yards off, and 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 Dak having enough time to 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 go out there and, and complete a pass. So it's like when you look at stuff, he's like, wait, the best receivers. You literally like the defensive coordinator is probably sitting in the booth like, I know that I know I know you lying. I know he lying, bro. I, he I, not about to send CD Lamb up the seam right to that safety <laughs> that we gonna bracket. Bro, I'm he, just a fan, fam. And I picked he, up a tendency. Damn scene, right to the right to him. I know you lying. I know. Wait, he gonna take the number three and go the goal route with my guys ten yard. I know. You know what? Damn it, he didn't do did it. He didn't did it. He. Thank you, thank you for I, making my job so much more easier. I'm just a regular fan, and I picked up a tendency that Kellen Moore does with Ceedee Lamb. If he doesn't go in motion, and he starts in the slot, nine times out of ten, Ceedee Lamb's running two routes, straight up the seam. Or what at one point was an option route that he doesn't do anymore. Right. But that's it. So it's like, bro, I'm I'm just a regular schmegular dude. What you think these smart defensive coordinators are seeing, man? But but sidebar, and I know this could be a whole nother discussion, but I gotta throw this out there just to get you get get you get you heated a bit. This is why sometimes I wish Dak had some it in his system. And he did come out in this presser, or he did go to the sideline and say, What the are we doing? He but never he's too, he never will because two two reasons. One, he he's a more of a marching orders guy. But here's the biggest one: Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott are buddy buddies. They they came in almost around the same damn time uh, on the team, right? Like Dak came in in 2016. Kellen was there. The whole quarterback situation, right? Goes down. Then it becomes his quarterback coach and his OC. They are too close. They need to get That's a new great. voice in here. I personally, That's a great point. That's I, per- a great point. I personally think Jesse that Kellen and Dak have hit their ceiling. And and now we just have to hope that Kellen and Dak can ma- maximize their ceiling together. But here's one thing I do know: I do know coaches can get more out of quality players like like a Dak Prescott rather than the quarterback getting more out of your coordinator. So I think we've capped out with the OC. I think there is more that can be done with the quarterback, but they can't do more with that OC. All I'm saying is Dak Prescott's greatest year was with who? Kitna. Uh, get the, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm you. saying. That's all I'm you. saying. I'm with you, bro. I'm, I'm biased. I'm you know, biased. But it's a good bias. I am biased. John Kitten is my brother, my friend, my homie, my good friend. I'm biased. But all I'm saying is you're what you're saying, I can't tell you how how right you are and how super like that is so 
on point in what you're saying. And I didn't even think about that. Like they are, they're buddies. They're buddies. Like they literally were like in the locker room in the meeting. Like they said, they're buddies. Listen to this. Kellen can't coach Dak. Think about that. No, that, that is, bro, you are, you are a <laughs> thousand point, man, you are so on point, bro. It's sickening. That's scary. Because That's, and, and, and you're right. Kellen, we've capped, we've capped. No cap, all cap, cap boy, cap this, cap. We have capped out with Kellen Moore. Cap. Man, it, it yeah. this this discussion could go. We could have a real real discussion about it. Maybe it's an off season thing, but I yeah, just wanted was, to, I just that, wanted to throw that at you. That's so wow. It's that deep. Is it so, runs deep, man. It runs deep. That's so profound, bro. You don't even like. I'm I'm over here like. <laughs> it I'm goes. Like, I, I did a I did a documentary wow. on Dak uh, last year, like a little mini little like ten minute doc, and and, and it, it hit me then. It was like two years ago actually, when I was doing the research on you know how he got the job, and, and I was like, wait. I mean, obviously, I knew Kellen was here, but I'm like, right. yo, this is this is a unique situation. There's no other coordinator quarterback relationship like this, not one in the National Football League, not one. And I don't know if there's ever been one in the last decade or so. A, a new voice is absolutely needed. It's needed, man. It's absolutely like it, it absolutely someone who can actually coach him. Yes, and not and not not be buddy buddy. What can Kellen say to the man that took his job? Nothing. Like even if he wanted to, that there's that there's that level of friendship that still persists, right? Like even if I want to yell at Dak, that's that's my boy. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to be mad with me. And my future is hitched to him because I, I gotta have Dak to put these numbers up so that people can look at us and say, "Look, number one offense." But it ain't about that. It's about those critical moments, man. That's, that's good, bro. Fantastic conversation today. Um. Again, we got to put a pin in this one. Maybe this will this will come back around after the postseason. But hopefully, it's more of a uh, a, a positive situation, right? Like we we actually hit and maintain that max capacity with these two throughout the playoffs. But we got to get there, and they got to make it happen, though, man. But um, that'll do it, Cowboys Nation, for this edition, this holiday. I hope you learned something, man. Like I really do hope when y'all listen to our show that you learn something. We're not just so. here. To- we're here to teach. We we are we're here. We're not just here to preach, but we want to we want to have um, things it's that are Bible study. This is Bible. This is Bible study. This is Bible study. We want to have things that you can take and apply. Like that's why, I, like you know, I wanted to break that whole fifteen first fifteen play thing down. And, and what you said about the Kellamore, that that man, that's gonna sit on me all night. Like that's gonna <laughs> sit on me all night, bro. Because that is so. Like I, I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Kit. I'm like, bro, like help me understand the dynamic. Like, like they're friends. He's gonna be able to give me. You could even ask him. But just and just yeah. FYI, like just just FYI. Yeah. When 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 Mike came in, um, Kit was still here. He was still here. I shouldn't probably. We'll know, t- off air. We'll wrap. We'll wrap. We'll wrap. Because I, I want I want to to I want you to ask him questions, but we'll, we'll rap about that, man. It, again, it's very it's very deep. It's deeper than I think anybody realizes, and and that's what that's what we do, right? We provide context. We we go deeper. That's why I think you should tune into what we do. And no offense to the other networks, but they're not going to do that. They're gonna they're going to deal with the low hanging fruit. We not we going to dive all the way into it, man. But um, look, Cowboys Nation, happy holidays, happy Jesse holidays. Uh, happy holidays. <laughs> 
<laughs> Make sure y'all check us out on Saturday. Jesse, got any other any final words before we get out of here? Nah, um, like I said, you can find me all week long, hanging with the boys, 1 p.m. Central Time at DallasCowboys.com. Catch me here on Wednesdays for Bible study. Uh, and again, on game days for Cowboys, me and Will, catch me on Mondays and Fridays with Jeff Cavanaugh, Believe um, Cowboys, fourth and long, uh, Believe Cowboys with Jesse Holly and Jeff Cavanaugh. Um, and man, listen, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, I tweeted something out earlier today. And I think it rings true, not only for the holidays, but for every day. Um, we are not, we are not here permanently. God has sent you to me, me to you temporarily. And eventually he's going to call us home. So while the time that you have left here, because none of us know the day or time that he's going to call us, make it special. Let's not leave here and you feel like, you know, you have these regrets that time wasn't spent with the people they were supposed to be spent with. So um, the clock is ticking. So use these moments that you have now during the holidays to spend time with people. I'm looking around and, you know, my, my friend, uh, is burying his son on Friday. Uh, you look across the league, um, Ronnie Hillman, 31 yeah. years old, yeah. gone. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all over. So don't don't miss those moments. Call that person, text that person, go see that person, hug that person, tell them you love them, tell them that you appreciate them, tell them that you're proud of them. All of those things. Don't 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 let the day pass and be like, ah, whatever, you know, and, and, and it just passed because that person is not guaranteed to be here tomorrow. So um, seeing this love people, man, love people, love yourself, love one another, man. And, and, and Merry Christmas. Merry as, Christmas. as our friend, Je- uh, Jeff Cavanaugh would say, you never know what anyone's going through. So be kind. We out Cowboys. Peace. Eliminate dependencies.